Hey everybody, welcome. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. This is the Shooting the Breeze podcast on Anchor.fm, brought to you by Animal House Radio or Podcast Rather Network. So today is Sunday night, March 11th, 2018, 10:30 p.m. Sorry, I know I said I was going to come out with this last night, but due to technical difficulties on my end, meaning we were having one too many. <laughs> I went out with a couple of friends and got a little caught up. So you know what? We're producing it today. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Today's main topic is going to be, well, first off, it's daylight savings. I hope everybody set their clock ahead. Um, That was supposed to be done Saturday into Sunday, 2 a.m. So we're losing uh, daylight. I'm sorry, we're gaining an hour of daylight, but losing uh, an hour of sleep. So I mean, some people say they can't feel it. I know I felt it this morning, but... Partying till uh, one in the morning didn't help either, right? Today's topic, the Parkland, Florida school shooting. A very sensitive topic, a topic that's touching America, touching the government. Uh, Everybody's facing just a, a, a bunch of controversial hate, and rightfully so, over this politicians are getting hammered especially trump and we ask ourselves how can we protect our kids while there's no definitive answer there's a bunch of solutions to be part of the solution or rather let's let's revise that i use the wrong choice of words there there are possible scenarios that can be part of the solution several steps to take to make our kids safer in their schools while they're there getting an education. A lot of parents, in my opinion, this is only my opinion, and again, anyone who sees different, feel free to chime in, call in, let's discuss it, okay? Um, We can can sit there and point the finger as parents, and I say we because I'm a parent. I've got two kids in school right now, one kid in high school and one kid in elementary. And I fear for their safety also, like any parent would. It's easy. It's easy to turn around and point the finger at the school and say, what are you doing to protect my kids? That's very easy. But you as a parent, what are you doing as well? It takes all of us together to make a difference. The parents, the teachers, the school, and the local police departments and sheriff's department, etc. So... While the Parkland, Florida school shooting was very tragic, so were the others that happened. Um, It all, I believe, originally started with the Columbine school shooting. And you know what? Uh, A a lot of people blame the guns. Again, that's easy to do. And I'm not a gun nut. I don't own a gun. But I am an advocate of the Second Amendment. Now, I don't go gung-ho with it like other people, but I do believe in the Second Amendment. I do believe in the people's right to bear arms legally without illegal activity being conducted, without malicious, violent, illegal activity being conducted. Um, Stiffen the gun laws. Make it a little bit harder for people to get guns. But you know what's the real problem here, folks? People, people, it's easy to point the finger at the gun. It really is. You think guns are not available underground? 
Guns were not always, guns are always a problem, but until they were, you know, invented, they were. But before guns, how do you think people killed for centuries? You know, sticks, sharp objects, rocks. You know, it doesn't take much nowadays to get a gun. It's available. I mean, you can make a phone call and have a gun here and anywhere in, in five, ten minutes, half hour. If you, if you know someone who owns a gun, my pen just flew. That's nice. Anyway, it's easy to turn around and point the finger and say, these guns are killing our kids. Well, no, it's an object being used to do so, unfortunately. Many other objects can be used. It's also just as easy, maybe easier, for someone to sneak into a school with something like a bomb that can be put in a duffel bag or a school bag versus a huge assault rifle that can, in plain view, be seen walking out of a vehicle, heading towards a school, opening the door before they open fire. So mentally ill people are who to blame here. Mentally ill people whom we know are mentally ill, who were diagnosed with having serious, severe problems that government, society, doctors did nothing about. That's what's to blame here. We've got to look at the obvious and not take the easy way out and point the finger and say, ban all guns, because that is not the solution. I will say, I don't know the full story. I've read things nowadays in media. You don't know what is or what isn't true. But from what I've read, there were four Broward County Sheriff's Department at the scene first and did nothing. They stood back till help arrived. I don't know how real, really true that is. And I'll do my research because I also heard that there were also uh, some other police officials who went in there against the command of their superiors and tried to do something. So, you know, forgive me for not being prepared with that. But if it was the case, and, I, you know, I think the part where the Broward County Sheriff's deputies did not go in is correct because I think they're facing uh, issues for it. You know, why didn't they go in sooner? Why didn't they go in as soon as they got there? Well, for whatever reason, these officers decided to fear for their lives and not go in or decided to be completely subordinate and not go in until help arrived as they were told to. But my instincts as a grown man is get in there and help those kids. So while they do take an oath to serve and protect and while they were kind of looking out for themselves, you are there to serve and protect as a police officer a sheriff's deputy, a state trooper. They should have taken measures to see if they could have gotten to this person immediately. I am not blaming those police officers. What I'm saying is that they could have gotten in there a lot sooner and probably things wouldn't have wound up so tragic. I don't blame the cops. I'm not a police badger. I'm not a cop badger. But these guys could have went in there a lot sooner. Police officers take an oath to serve and protect. I don't think they did to their fullest as soon as they arrived on the scene. That's only my opinion. And 
And again, I don't bash the cops. They've got a tough enough job as it is. Now, I'm not saying that that's a pass. What I'm saying is, is that, again, you took an oath to serve and protect. And a little bit more could have been done. Cops have a very tough job. These are very unrewarding times. The job is very unrewarding most of the time. They get treated like crap from the public. And all the media has them just going bananas. Um, you hear a lot about police officers. And, and listen, I am not a police officer. Okay? And I'm only speaking because I'm only going by my feelings and what I see on TV and, you know, just talking to other cops and just in general how I see things. So, again, feel free to call in and discuss. Um, so while cops have a very unrewarding job at times, and it's, it's, it's crazy being a police officer nowadays with what's at stake and what's against you. Again, it's always easy to point the finger at the cops. While there's a lot of criminal assault going on with police officers, that's something that's always existed. And it's a very small portion, but the media today has just gotten, you know, Hey, it's bigger news to hear that a cop shot someone innocently or because he was black as opposed to, hey, this cop was trying to apprehend someone who stabbed someone and was having a tough time. And some civilians stepped in and helped the police officer make the arrest. You don't hear those stories. The media doesn't want to tell you them. Why? Because you pull in more ratings making the cop the bad guy. And there you have it. So while not, while this is not always the case, look at it for what it is, people. Use your head. Ask the questions. It leaves me wondering, though, how sometimes some cops, and again, I know some cops, and it, it, it's funny because I've heard conversations take place. Well, I just want to go in, do my eight hours, you know, as long as nothing funky goes on in front of me, I'm okay. I keep it moving. Really? That's a shame. So some of these cops used to go around, do their shift and go home. Safe way to do their job. Out of sight, out of mind, I didn't see it, I keep it moving. If I see it, I decide whether I want to let it go or not. If it's something too crazy, then I, I, I got to engage. But if not, I keep it moving. That's a safe way to be, and that's wrong. I'm not saying all cops are like that. I've known police officers do that, friends who've graduated the academy and done so. I remember when I was young, we had a... Uh, a program called, I was in elementary school, we had a program called SPECTA, School Program to Educate and Control Drug Abuse. I remember it very clearly because I engaged with the police officers that came to our school and taught us what a hypodermic needle was and what to stay away from, what crack cocaine looked like, what cocaine looked like, what heroin looked like, what a marijuana joint or cigarette looked like. These were things that, this was back in the 80s, that were educating us about this in our elementary schools. And you appreciated it. And you developed a relationship with the local beat cop because of it. The beat cop knew your family. The beat cop was the same beat cop that was walking around twirling his baton. Okay. And he knew the guy selling the ice is on the corner. He knew 
This is a bread hot dog vendor. He knew little Joey running around the street in front of the bodega. He knew all those people. He knew your parents. That's called engaging in the community. You don't have that a lot nowadays. Nowadays, they ride in a patrol car. Well, because they have to. Okay. I'm not saying that that's bad. Nowadays, when things happen, they just have to get to the scene of the crime a lot faster. And if a beat cop is on foot, that prevents that from happening. But it worked for many years. Get beat cops out there. Keep them out there. Engage with the community. I think that would help a heck of a lot. But anyway, what's what's my point to this? Well, a lot of those beat cops were assigned to schools, just like the elementary school that I went to. And they would stop in, check in on things. Before they would stop in, they'd walk the perimeter of the school, look around. They'd make sure things were cool before they went in and verified everything was cool. They'd let them walk the schools inside, have a drink of water if it was uh, warm out, have a cup of coffee, and they would move on. But the point is, they were there, they were a deterrent, and you knew they were going to be around always. So today, the NYPD, I went to school in New York City. The NYPD took over the school safety. So um, um, from what I heard from another friend of mine, there's only one school safety officer in an entire school with thousands of kids. Well, how's that really going to protect your kid? Well, needless to say, none of this is going on in New York City schools. But well, even before I make that comment, it can happen. And again, it's it, it's not it's a it's a variety of things. It sounds like I'm blaming the cops. I'm really not. I'm just, I'm just pointing out certain things, and um, it it just it's sad. It's sad to see that things can't pull together on this. That people can't think about things, you know, intelligently and come up with meaningful solutions. I hope they are. And, uh, uh, you know, we've all learned from this experience. You know, we've all learned that our kids have to be safer. Who would have ever thought that someone would be going in and committing these heinous acts inside of our schools and hurting our children, our innocent kids? Um, you know, the one thing that I did and the one thing you should do as a parent is engage in your son, in your, in your son or daughter's school, you know, I got to thinking of this when I was writing down the notes for this segment. Um, what am I doing? You know, so what's the first step I can take to talk to somebody about this? Well, you know what? And to this day, in, in, in this era, we got the uh, Internet. So I went on my uh, my kids' school district web website. www.bada-bing-boom-boom. Done. I'm in. And lo and behold... I see a document on there or, or the title of a document on there. It was called a district-wide safety plan. And in that district-wide safety plan, it highlights and talks about everything from hostage situations to bomb threats to everything. The school district actually came up with a document. And they've actually gotten the fire department and the police department involved. And they talk about plans and what, what can happen, what would happen if such events happened, who's going to be alerted, how are they going to go about getting into the school, etc. 
it's a three, almost a 300 page document. So I went in, it's not available to read online. So it said for a copy of the XYZ school district wide safety plan, please call 555 Nunya and ask for so-and-so and obtain your very own copy for your personal viewing and studying of our district-wide safety plan. So I did. And you know what, people? I did this on, on Thursday. And I left a message. I said, hi, my name is Ivan Rodriguez. My number is XYZ. I am interested in obtaining a this document, the district-wide school safety plan. And sure enough, man, lo and behold, before noon the following day, I couldn't pick up the phone because I was in the middle of typing something on an email uh, for work. And my phone rang. I let it go into voicemail. Sure enough, it was Mr. So-and-so. He says, how you doing? I'm Mr. So-and-so. You left a uh, message and you were interested in obtaining the document for the district-wide safety plan. I'm calling to let you know that you can pick this up. at. They had me pick this up at the school's maintenance department. They specifically had me go to a certain area to pick this up. I could not go to the school directly. I had to go to the district office to the maintenance loading dock area, shipping and receiving area. And that's where they allowed me to get the document, which is cool because they took safety measures to make sure I wasn't some kind of wacko. And um, I was being watched and I was on camera. So when I got there, they had printed a that almost 300 page document and said, hi, I walked in. I said, how you doing? I'm Ivan Rodriguez. They said, yep, we've been expecting you. Here you go. Thank you. Wow. In less than 24 hours, I obtained that document, and I still have to read it. But I did look at the sections, and there's a lot of interesting topics, and that's where I will start my questioning. That's where I will start viewing and thinking about, okay, these measures are supposed to be taken if this happens. Hmm. Or if I disagree with something or have a question, I can go to the specific authority. If, I, if, it's, a, if it's a school safety question, I'll refer it to the school. If it's a police department question, I'll refer it to the police department. But that document gives me a starting point. It gives me a starting point to get involved in my kids' safety at school. So that's what you should do, folks. Check your kids' website, your school district website, your school website. Contact the principal of the school or the office and find out if there's anything you can do as a parent to help prevent this situation because don't feel hopeless. Don't think, oh, I got to be there with a gun myself to protect the doors. You don't have to do that. There's a lot you can do to help prevent this from happening or or, or at least educate yourself on the steps that are going to be taken if ever, God forbid, something like this happened in your child's school, which God forbid, knock on wood, we hope never does. So, again, contact the schools. Find out what you can do to get involved. Contact your local police departments. See if they can, someone could talk to you about it. It's a serious enough subject that it touches home, and you'll be surprised how many cops will want to sit down and discuss this with you and really get involvement going. It'll help. Um, that's all I have on that, and the more to come as I read that document and I explore this. So I will have more, more to discuss on that topic in the future. I'm taking a swig of water right now. So President Trump, our leader, is supposed to be uh, accepting the invite from North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Now I was going to get into reading stuff from websites, you know, thehill.com, Wikipedia, but you can do that yourselves. Oh, I wanted to mention that 
back to the Parkland stuff, and I'm sorry to be bouncing back and forth. Since that shooting, there's been 756 copycat threats against the schools. Sad, huh? 756 copycat threats. But anyway, getting back to the president, he's supposed to be meeting with King Jong-un to discuss peace negotiations and how they can just sit down and talk about things like men and not get stupid with each other. A lot of people are bashing this and saying this is a bad idea. Anytime there's a negotiation or an opportunity for peace, it's never a bad idea. If all this guy wants is to be heard, then listen to him. There's got to be something he's got to say that's worth something. So it is worth hearing out. So that's all I got for today. And, uh, I'm going to be researching another topic. Trump with his, uh, you know, I'm not anti-Trump. I'm not, I'm not so much anti-anybody or for anybody. You know, I, I stay away from uh, the whole government politics things. You know, I was hoping that Trump would do the right thing, but it turns out that every time he opens up his mouth, it's bad. Um, so I hope that discussing things with uh, North Korea, I hope his mouth doesn't get us in trouble because it never gets him in trouble. It gets us in trouble. Um, so much so that this trade deal that he's doing is hurting American companies, some American companies, like namely Harley Davidson. I'm going to be discussing that in my other podcast, The Cycle Shack. But anyway, um, for this, for the purposes of this one, shooting the breeze, uh, looks like Trump's decision with this whole overseas tax thing is hurting uh, the domesticating of, I guess, American products going overseas. So Harley Davidson shut down a plant in Minnesota, I think it was, uh, wherever it was. And um, they're opening a plant in, I believe, Thailand or, yeah, Thailand. I don't want to, I don't want Thailand or Indonesia. I think it's Thailand. But at the cost of laying off 800 workers and creating 400 jobs in their York PA plant, but 800 workers got laid off. You can't tell me that all 400 of those workers came from the, two states away or three states away that relocated. I don't think so. So Harley, there's a couple of Harley Davidson employees that are really pissed off at Trump because again, he was tooting his own horn with the Harley Davidson American made American made. Well, it looks like he may have uh, created some trouble. So I don't know. Well, thanks for listening. This is Ivan. I'm shooting the breeze with you and call in. Tell me what you think. Give me your opinions. Let's have an intelligent conversation about it. Talk to you guys soon. Till the next time. This is Shooting the Breeze podcast on the Animal House Radio Network, a podcast network, right here only on Anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.